It's Democrats' fault. It's Republicans' fault. They cheat. They suppress. You can point fingers anywhere. Plenty of blame to go around. Do you know whose fault it really is? The voters. For rolling over to the forces that have corrupted the elections in this country and simply giving up. And that's the truth. From TNN, the Truth News Network, and Dan Newman. To that end, do you know of anybody or maybe yourself fit into this category? We look around, we get so discouraged at what we're seeing. We have 535 so-called representatives in the United States Congress that we voted for. And they went up there promising they were going to work for us, only to watch as they summarily dismantle the structure of the United States that not only we voted for, but our grandparents voted for, and our great-grandparents, and their parents, and their parents, right on down the line, all the way back to the founding of this nation. This government was created, and from its inception, it was solely to be government of the people, government by the people, and government for the people. Sure doesn't look anything like that anymore, does it? Good morning, everybody. I'm Dan Newman. Thank you for joining us here today. And for those of you that are frequent flyers, especially, I want to say thank you. We do not and will never take you for granted, your participation, your support. You've got a lot of choices out there. And one of the choices is just to turn all the noise off and do your own thing, but you choose otherwise, and I thank you for that. We've got a busy show today, much to get to talking about, and I um, I want to take a few breaths. It was helter-skelter all morning. My morning starts every morning about 5.15, 5.15 a.m. Central Time, and uh, I spend 35, 40 minutes in a prayer meeting every Monday through Friday that I'm a co-leader In fact, uh, it's streamed online live. If you want to find it, go to Facebook and go to Shreveport Community Church on Facebook and look for the 6 a.m. prayer. You can look in every morning, and if you miss it, you can go back later and check it out. It's just sharing with each other and uh, talking about the real issues of life, kind of like we do here at TNN Live. Looking ahead at today, we're going to break down some things. Our good friend, a good friend of this show, Mike Johnson, yesterday, actually from the House floor, gave an amazing explanation defining exactly what an impeachment inquiry is compared to an actual impeachment. He's going to break that down for us. And then we have some facts from other places around the world. We're going to look at the real issues of our economy and scratch our head like you're scratching your head trying to figure out how this president can take victory laps over his very own Bidenomics when that's what's just destroying the economic conditions of millions of Americans. Well, it's going to be a full day. I'm going to breathe easy. For just a few minutes, why don't you join me? Listen to this. The morning finds me here at heaven's door. A place I've been so many times before. Familiar thoughts and phrases start to flow. 
carry me to places that I know so well. But there I go where I don't understand. And do I dare remember where I am? I stand before the great eternal throne, the one that God Himself is seated on. Slumbers in my soul Stir the fire inside and make it grow I'm trusting in a love that has no end The Savior of this world has called me friend And I have been invited with the sun Oh
You know, I was sitting here listening to the end of that song. They just repeated those two words, which is the title, by the way, of that song, Great Expectations. They just repeated that phrase over and over again, Great Expectations, Great Expectations. You know what? I think that's pretty applicable to what you and I are facing today in our government. It's so easy to just get out of the flow. We don't want to be absorbed every day by all of this insanity, the hatred, the venom, the you're no goods that we get from other people around us, many in politics. And so we just we just kind of pull out of the middle of it and we just go sit down and get quiet and just live our lives the way we live our lives, right? That's human nature in large part to do. That was Stephen Curtis Chapman, by the way. And um, let me give you a little story. When you're tempted to do what many of us do from time to time, which is sit down, get out of the flow, and try to just become oblivious to the world around us. When we're tempted to do that, remember this. Everybody else in the world has slightly, at least slightly different circumstances, good, bad, ugly, we're all a little bit different. Our worlds are always at least a tiny bit different, but there's a lot of commonality. And one of those commonalities that we all face is a truth that is really hard to swallow. Sometimes bad things happen to good people, not because good people deserve it, not because good people have done something wrong. In many cases, it's just part of life. Everything doesn't go perfect for anybody on the planet 365 days a year. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care how much fortune you have, how great a reputation you have. I don't care if your family and all of your family members have everything going the right way. You know what I'm talking about. We have kid issues. We have spousal issues. In this world and age, we have blended families, all of the little hiccups that go along with just breathing every day. Stephen Curtis Chapman, you just heard him. He wrote that song, Great Expectations. You just heard him sing it. Let me tell you what happened to him. Great Christian music artist, lived in Nashville, just a great guy, writes beautiful songs, has been around for a lot of years. He's one of those in Christian music, contemporary Christian music, that has proven he lives what he sings about. He lives what he writes about. For no bad reason, just because of a life circumstance, a few years ago, his youngest child was in the driveway and his older child was in the garage backing a car out into the driveway, ran over the youngest child and killed him. Now think about that for a moment. Here's a guy that has written some of the best Christian songs in the last 20, 25 years, sells millions of records, is a good guy, does concerts all around the world, and many of his songs have changed people's lives for the better. He hadn't done anything wrong. He didn't deserve for a kid, a child to get run over. Nor did that teenage son that backed over that child, did he do anything wrong? It was just one of those sometimes bad things happen 
to good people. And that's what that was. So why are I telling you this? I just want to encourage each of you that are facing some tough things right now. You look around the world, you listen, we're going to talk about this a little bit, but you look at and listen to our leaders in Washington, especially even the President of the United States, he's out all over the world telling everybody in the world and telling us who live here that he represents us as our President, that everything's okay. Look at the economy. Look at what Bidenomics has done for you. (laughs) It should be, look at what Bidenomics has done to you. But it doesn't matter if other people embrace the facts and embrace the truth. You and I each have the ability to accept or reject anything that we want to. It's called free will. It's called the ability, because we live in a free nation, to express, believe and express our thoughts no matter what they are. We have those liberties. But don't we end up, after it's all said and done, in those six people march us out to our gravesite, isn't it better to feel right before we take that last breath, hey, I did my best. I didn't get it all right all the time, but I did my best. That's plenty enough. Don't sweat the little things. Don't get involved in worry and fretting over the things that you have no control over. It doesn't do any good. Pete Moss, if you weren't at the top of the show, you heard his intro today, and he was talking about how bad everything is. In fact, if you weren't here, I want you to hear exactly what he said in this opening. We never do this, but I'm doing it just because if you missed the opening, I want you to hear what he said. It's important because it's what I'm talking to you about. It's Democrats' fault. It's Republicans' fault. They cheat. They suppress. You can point fingers anywhere. Plenty of blame to go around. Do you know whose fault it really is? The voters. For rolling over to the forces that have corrupted the elections in this country and simply giving up. And that's the truth. From TNN, the Truth News Network, and Dan Newman. The big truth and everything he said was truthful. You can't credibly deny that. But the big thing about it was at the end of it when he said, yeah, it's their fault. No, it's their fault. It's not my fault. It's your fault. After we do all of that at the end of it, the one thing that Americans are doing in droves that is really dangerous, they're signing off. They're quitting. Man, I I, I can't. I go to the election. I go pull my lever. And then I find out there's voter fraud or there's voter irregularity. And then others say, no, there's not any of that. Well, there is some of it, but it's never going to be enough to change the results of the election. It's just not worth it anymore. I'm not going to waste my time and go vote. I'm not going to get involved in discussions about my local politicians, about my state representatives, about my mayor, my governor. It's no good. I just, I'm one little person. I don't have any power or authority to do anything or get anything done. What would we be doing right now, you and I, 
if our forefathers had said those things, you know what? I know they all felt those things at some time or another. When they came over here, <laughs> they didn't have a Hyatt Hotel or a Hilton chain. <laughs> they stayed in tents or slept on the ground until they figured out what needed to be done for them, their family members, and those that were part of their social structure. And they did it. Did it always come easy? Absolutely not. In fact, the opposite is true. History tells us all about that. But here we are 240 years later. Well, our forefathers came over here before 240 years, but the nation became a nation 240 years ago. And here we are. We look back, and there are people among us, maybe you, maybe me, who are guilty of just doing what Pete Moss just told us not to do, which is don't quit. Don't quit. Don't give up. It's not going to get fixed unless we, the people, put our shoulder to the task and do what it takes to make it work. That's what TNN Live is all about. Not giving you all the answers, but sharing things that we have discovered through stories, through interviews, hearing people talk about specific parts of our lives. That's what we do every day here. And by the way, you can join the show actively, and we'll even pay for the phone call. Toll free, 1-866-37-TRUTH, 1-866-378-7884. Call anytime. Talk to us. Tell us you want to talk about this. I don't bite. <laughs> and we don't screen calls. All the calls come right here into the studio. All I'll see, if you're one of my uh, uh, people in my Rolodex, which is really not a Rolodex, it's on my iPhone, your name will pop up, but otherwise you'll just be a number and I'm going to talk to you. We're going to be cordial. We're not going to be ugly. But anyway, I want to encourage you today. Don't give up. Don't give up. You have control of a huge portion of your life that sometimes it doesn't feel like you do, but you do. And find the best. Do your best, no matter what you're involved in. Personal relationships, work, social involvement, whatever it is. And if you're a servant of the people in politics, do the right thing. Say the right stuff. Quit worrying about campaign dollars. If you're worrying about it, thinking you can't get reelected because you don't have an, enough campaign money in your coffer, maybe you shouldn't be running. Maybe people aren't supporting you financially because they don't want you to run. And you know what? Even if that's true, it's not going to change your world dramatically. It'll change. But God made us pretty darn good at being flexible and adjusting when stuff we didn't plan for happens to come our way. I guarantee you, Stephen Curtis Chapman and his wife, they never made plans for how it would change their lives 
if they lost one of their babies in an accident, like getting run over by a car. It happened. They had to cope with it. Bad things happen to you and to me. We've got to find ways to cope. And I know you're doing that. So do you want to get get right on with it? I told you Mike Johnson was going to step to the microphone and explain to all of us exactly what's going on regarding the just-initiated impeachment inquiry of President Joe Biden. Now, there are two different things. An impeachment inquiry is different from an actual impeachment process. So what's the difference, and why have both? Why not just go straight for the impeachment? Mr. Speaker, barring declarations of war, impeachment is the most awesome power that Congress has. It shouldn't be a a threat. It shouldn't be a political exercise. It's certainly not a pledge to be made on the campaign trail. This is the most serious business that we can engage in. No one should want to impeach a president. I can't take any pleasure in that. But after months of blocked investigations by agencies in this administration, it became clear that an impeachment inquiry was the only course of action to complete our necessary and important investigations. And let me explain why. Because there's been some confusion and some controversy about this. Mr. Speaker, there are three irrefutable facts that have taken us to this point. Number one, President Biden lied directly to the American people. Number two, President Biden's family and their associates profited millions through shell companies. Number three, President Biden's federal agencies are stonewalling our legitimate congressional inquiry. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. There are so many scandals, there's so much corruption that's being uncovered. Every stone that we overturn leads to more and more corruption. And because of that, Mr. Speaker, a lot of the American people are simply getting lost in the the barrage of evidence, in the barrage of of allegations of corruption and the evidence itself. Let me go through just a couple of highlights here to bring everybody's attention to this, to help explain why we're doing what we're doing. In August 2019, President Biden said, quote, I have never discussed with my son or my brother or anyone else anything having to do with their businesses, period. Two months later, he said, quote, I never discussed a single thing with my son about anything having to do with Ukraine. No one has indicated I have. We've always kept everything separate, unquote. He then doubled down on those claims during the debates, and, and both Jen Psaki and Karine Jean-Pierre have echoed that straight from the White House press briefing room. Let, make no mistake about this. Everyone now knows those were all bold-faced lies. While... while President Biden was vice president. We know now that he had dinner at least twice with his son Hunter and Russian and and, and Kazakhstani oligarchs. He he spoke at least, uh, he spoke on the phone many times with Hunter's associates, at least over 20 times, at least that many we know. He met with CEFC, that's a Chinese energy company, while Hunter was working on their behalf. Here's a text message from Hunter Biden alone that is justification for an inquiry. Quote, Z, Please have the director call me, not James or Tony or Jim. Have him call me tonight. I am sitting here with my father, and we would like to understand why the commitment made has not been fulfilled, unquote. A confidential human source known well to the FBI and relied upon often alleged that President Biden received a $5 million bribe for services rendered. The House Oversight Committee investigation has been going on for a while, and the investigation 
has yielded many important facts. The investigators have found, here's a couple of samples. Number one, they found that Hunter Biden flew on Air Force Two at least 15 times and engaged in activities which Devin Archer testified was to sell the brand and enrich the Biden family. They found an email from Biden associate James Gillard, which breaks down the profit agreement for a deal involving the Chinese Communist Party-linked CEFC, including, including, quote, 10 held by H for the big guy, unquote. They, they found a text message later that month from Gillard to Tony Bobulinski, which read, quote, don't mention Joe being involved. It's only when you are face-to-face. I know that you know that, but they are paranoid, unquote. This is, this is just a sampling of what we already know. Now, this impeachment inquiry will offer House investigators greater, greater subpoena authority to receive information from evasive federal agencies. See, we have been impeded in the collection of all this evidence because the federal agencies under the executive branch are openly, aggressively trying to protect the president. It, we're we're going to have uh, advanced authority now and a larger platform to share this information with the American people. Mr. Speaker, remember how we arrived here. When, when the New York Post reported the existence of the Hunter Biden laptop, now Secretary of State Anthony Blinken organized a group of 51 former intelligence officials to claim the laptop was Russian disinformation. Social media accounts were banned from sharing the story, and individuals who believed it were labeled Russian assets and conspiracy theorists. We now know that not only was the laptop not Russian disinformation, of course, it was known previously to the intel community and many of the individuals that signed that letter. They knew it was legitimate. They knew it was not Russian disinformation. They knew it came from Hunter Biden, and they hid it from the American people. And on July 4th, just a couple of months ago, the federal district court in the western district of Louisiana, my home state, issued a 155-page court opinion. Uh, the state of Louisiana and the state of Missouri sued the Biden administration because they, they, they had a hunch and they knew that the White House and its agencies, including the FBI, the DOJ, other federal agencies were engaged in a cover-up. They were censoring and silencing the viewpoints of Americans they dis disagreed with. They would not allow conservative speech on the social media platforms. And we know from the evidence produced in that case and listed in the 155 court, op court opinion that issued an injunction against the White House, by the way, just on last Saturday, upheld by the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit, the court points out that Elvis Chan, the FBI uh, official in the, in the uh, San Francisco field office of the FBI, was meeting regularly with the big tech platforms in Silicon Valley there, regularly leading up to the election and telling them things that they had to pull off the Internet, that, that, that conservative voices and social media postings that they didn't want people to see. The FBI coerced, the court said, and then coordinated with the big tech uh, giants to make sure that on, on Facebook and, and Google and, 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 and Twitter at the time and, and all these other platforms that you couldn't see that information. And it wasn't just the Hunter Biden laptop story. It was a lot of categories of things. It, I mean, it included um, uh, negative information about the economy. It, it included uh, people's opinions, conservatives' opinions about the efficacy of, of uh, COVID vaccines and the lockdowns and how crazy that was and what they were doing to school children. All that stuff was censored. They, they even took down jokes about the president. If you, made, if you posted parody about President Biden, or even as a candidate or when he was elected, it was pulled off the Internet. It's unbelievable. It's staggering. The judge says in the judge's words in the court that this is uh, arguably 
the, the largest and the greatest attack on free speech in U.S. history. He called it Orwellian. He said it was dystopian. This is what we're facing. This is what this White House has been involved in. They did not want the American people to have the facts. And that's one of the reasons that we have to go to this next step. That's why, Mr. Speaker, we, we have to uh, follow these facts where they lead. The facts are irrefutable. They have understandably set Washington ablaze, even though the American people weren't able to see it. The judge said millions of free speech protected postings were taken down from the internet, not seen. But, but it has set Washington ablaze. Why? Because we're, we're bringing these facts to bear. We're laying them out for people to see. Our colleagues here, some of them don't want to see it. But as John Adams said, facts are stubborn things. And as expected, the DC and the National Press Corps have blindly accepted the White House's spin and they're trying to convince the American people that our inquiry, even the impeachment inquiry, is illegitimate. Just three years after they carried the water for Adam Schiff and the Democrats on their crazy impeachment quest against Donald Trump. Here's a sampling of the headlines so far. Now remember, we just announced the impeachment inquiry step yesterday. Here it is so far from Time Magazine. Biden inquiry may be weakest in history. Oh yeah. From CNN, the most predictable impeachment investigation in American history. From Reuters, McCarthy opens long-shot impeachment probe of Biden. From MSNBC, McCarthy's Biden impeachment inquiry is the Benghazi investigation on steroids. These headlines are going to increase. We, we know what's coming. We, we know that they're working against us, against the American people in this case, and for the White House. They're on their team. We get it. CNN is reporting this week that the White House is urging news executives to ramp up scrutiny of our investigation. In fact, now there's a memo going around they sent to all the big news agencies. As if weaponizing the federal agencies wasn't enough, President Biden is now publicly directing the free press to play defense for him. And you know what? They're willingly going along with it. Mr. Speaker, why? I'm just going to ask this question. It's a rhetorical one. Nobody can answer it here, of course, but we're trying to seek the answers to this. I think we know why. If there was no impropriety, why wouldn't the president provide congressional investigators with all the information we've requested? What do they have to hide? The president could make the short trip from 1600 Pennsylvania tomorrow. He could sit down with our committees. He could clear his name. We could do that behind closed doors. We could do it very discreetly with all the protection he needs. In fact, we'd welcome it. I mean, let this be an open invitation to President Biden. I know the White House is, is recording all this. They're watching what we do here. Here's the open invitation. President Biden, Secretary Blinken, any of the Biden family members and associates, or anyone who seeks to clear their name, anybody involved in this investigation at all, you can come right here. You are welcome here in Congress to our committees. We on the House Judiciary Committee, House Oversight Committee, Weaponization Committee, the Ways and Means Committee, any of them. Pick your committee, and we'll bring you in, and you can clear your name. Mr. Speaker, we would love to return our full focus to our regular and important work here. But the facts in our sworn oath to defend the Constitution require this inquiry. And I'll, I'll close this with, with this, and I'm going to bring up a couple of my colleagues who will share their thoughts as well. But remember that Article 1, Section 2 of the Constitution itself expressly states that the sole power of impeachment belongs here to this House. And then Article 2, Section 4 says, listen to the language carefully. It's expressly written in the Constitution. This is not political talking points. We're not making this up. It says in Article 2, Section 4, that the President shall be removed from office on impeachment for and conviction of treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. My friends, I just listed just a small sampling, just the tip of the iceberg of, of the 
credible allegations and the mounting evidence that shows that Joseph Biden has engaged in bribery schemes, pay-to-play schemes. This is what the evidence shows. We have to follow it. We took an oath to uphold the Constitution. The Constitution requires this action. The inquiry is the appropriate step. We have no choice to pursue the facts wherever they lead, and we will leave no stone unturned. I don't think there's anything else that I could say that would make it simpler for Americans to understand why it's critical that we get all the facts on the table. And this is not possible because Joe Biden, his minions, they refuse to cooperate and provide information that if what they're claiming is true, which is the president did nothing wrong, would exonerate him. Now, we're all adults. Why would he refuse to cooperate? It would be very simple if he cared. Look, if he wants to be president again, which he does, he's got to get this cleared up. The American people are very, very conscious of what's going on. And they're seeing the same things that we're seeing. And they're saying the same things in many cases. You just heard Congressman Mike Johnson say, we were forced to go down this road and declare an impeachment inquiry so we have a little more power to force the production of all these documents. Now, when we get them, hey, it may clear Joe Biden from any accountability or liability for what seems to have happened. But the very fact that Joe Biden refuses to cooperate, refuses, and all he does is deny, deny, deny. Why did he do all those things that we know that he did? Why did he lie about his meetings and conversations with his son and his foreign business associates? We now know the president lied. Usually, I think if you're a mom or a dad, you'll understand this. Usually, when somebody deflects so often, so adamantly about the same thing, they probably really did it. It doesn't have to just be one of our kids. It could be our sitting president of the United States. Facts matter. If Joe Biden's innocent, we need to prove it. If he's guilty, obviously, that's got to be proven. But you know what's even more important at the end of the day? Accountability. Accountability of Joe Biden to the people that he legally answers to me and you hi welcome to the subway ad for the 399 six inch sub of the day how do you want it secret dj set at a retirement home weird i like it dj sandwich in the house what do you say italian bmt 399 i call the emt turkey breast 399 how much 399 Time of participating shops. Prices and subs included may vary. Additional charge for extras plus tax. No additional discounts or coupons applied. We're outside Pilgrim Furniture and Mattress City where parents are disappearing. Excuse me, are your parents in there? Yeah. They can't decide if they should take no interest for 60 months with no money down or an extra $100 off every $9.99 they spend. It's a tough choice. But they've been in there for six hours. 
I want dinner. Parents, if you're a pilgrim, please make a decision. Here's good news. Even with high unemployment, there's still a need for hundreds of thousands of cybersecurity professionals in the U.S. right now. And my computer career is training people to help meet the demand. No IT experience? No problem. Take the free career evaluation today at mycomputercareer.edu. Start your new life as an IT pro in as little as four months. Grants covering up to 53% of the cost are available to those who qualify. It's not rocket science. It's mycomputercareer.edu. Those in the know like to stay in the realm of innovation. Join them. It's easy to keep up with the latest trends and own the latest tech with BMW Select as it offers you the option to drive a brand new BMW every three years. You also get to tailor your deal to suit your pocket and your lifestyle. Visit select.bmw.co.za for more. BMW Select. Dynamic finance for ultimate control. BMW Financial Services is an authorized FSP and registered credit provider. T's and C's apply. Partisan spin? Not here. Identity politics? Go somewhere else. This is TNN, the Truth News Network. Here's Dan Newman. So, I guess we just need to keep going down, 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 getting on that low, 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 low level so we can get the exact same correlation of the intent of the left to try to sell to the American people that Republicans are just chasing a fog. There's nothing there. There's nothing that Joe Biden did that would even come close to rising to an impeachable offense. Of course, they don't offer up evidence to disprove that quote-unquote theory that Joe Biden did impeachable offenses. They don't offer any proof. They just want to get up there and pontificate and just defend him. I don't know where it works where you grew up. Where I grew up, if you want to get somebody to believe what you're saying, provide the evidence. If there's evidence out there, just put it in front of those people. You don't have to scream and holler and threaten. And we're hearing Joe Biden, we're hearing Democrats do that. I heard Hakeem Jeffries, who is the minority leader in the House of Representatives, he is a nasty human being. He has been since I've seen him in the U.S. Congress, period. He puts people down. He diminishes anybody with whom he disagrees. There's no back and forth. There's no impartiality. If you're not a flaming Democrat, you're an evil person, and you don't even deserve to breathe the same air as Hakeem Jeffries. Now, did I go a little bit overboard in explaining that? Maybe I did. If you've seen him or listened to him very much, you know why I feel that way. I mean, he just blew everybody up that even considers the fact or the even remote possibility that Joe Biden is guilty of any of those things that seem to be rolling in. And first, their theories, and one by one, they're becoming evidence. Evidence, of course, is what you got to have to make sure that somebody really did what they're alleged to have done. And if there's no evidence, that clears them of any wrongdoing. That's called the rule of law. And that works pretty well when we make it work, when we use it. However, this administration abhors the rule of law. Every single day of the Biden administration... Since it began, every single day, 
from the top to the bottom of this government, the Biden administration, people that work in the administration themselves are breaking federal laws. There hasn't been a day go by that that didn't happen. And if it is only in this one way, it still happens every day. Enforcing immigration laws. Immigration into the United States is the sole responsibility and the sole arbiter of enforcing federally passed, signed into law by a sitting president at the time, all the immigration laws. They're exhaustive. They're very exact. Nothing this administration is doing regarding illegal immigration is according to the law. In fact, it's all in contravention to the law. Congressman Johnson, when he just gave us that great explanation of the necessity to declare a formal impeachment inquiry, he made it very clear. The facts are there. And the simple way to make this go away, instead of getting up and diminishing politically your opponents on the other side of the aisle and putting them down as people like Adam Schiff have done so successfully, also Hakeem Jeffries, Nancy Pelosi, we could sit here all day long and throw more Democrat names out there. Just give us the facts. I would love it. Honestly, I would love it if it came back and we were told there was no wrongdoing, illegality on the part of Joe Biden. But circumstantial evidence so far says otherwise, which brings up a point. Do you know the difference between circumstantial evidence and evidence? Let me give you an example. The, the bank account thing, the bank account thing. All this money we know of, and it's because the federal government, the U.S. Treasury, has received notification of suspect wire international transfers that have come and been deposited into the various accounts of the Biden family. We know at least 20 different people in the family have received as much as $20 million, maybe more now, we're told, than that coming from foreign unknown sources. There's no business affiliation between where those wire transfers are coming from and the people they're going to, even Biden's grandchildren. It would be so simple for the president to call a press conference, maybe not even a press conference. He doesn't like to talk back and forth to reporters, so don't do it. Just make a speech from the White House and give us the facts. Tell us if that money went to specific accounts and it was for specific work that was being done or anticipated by those members of your family. Give us the facts. And we'll put it all to bed. But instead, it's a fight every single day. And throughout human history, when that happens, it's always been. There's something being hidden. Something being hidden. So what does Biden have to say about it? 
Listen to this. And it's time for the hot topic of the hour. President Biden speaking out uh, about the impeachment inquiry for the first time while at a fundraiser in Virginia last night. The president said this, I'm focused on the things the American people want me focused on. The best I can tell is they want to impeach me because they want to shut down the government. Mike Baker, your reaction. <laughs> I'm yeah. trying to connect these dots. I, it, and that's the problem, right? Whether it's that statement or whether it's his speech in, from Hanoi that he just recently made. There's, there, it, look, occasionally there's, there's some moments of, of logic in, in things that he says, and then oftentimes there's whatever is the opposite of, of uh, coherent. Um, they... There's no self-awareness in Washington, D.C., right? Sometimes that's true on both sides of the aisle. But for the Democrats, Adam Schiff and Raskin and some of the others, to stand around and say that, that this is nothing but a political witch hunt, there, there is no sense of irony in what they say. After the years they spent with the Russia collusion story that had no basis, no evidence, even yeah. though Adam Schiff said we have the evidence, that's obviously right. they didn't. Yeah. In this case, there is mounting evidence. Yeah, there sure is. 176 suspicious activity reports, uh, witness testimony. Uh, it's pretty incredible. And yet they keep saying as like it doesn't exist. Um, yeah, so I, I guess the, o the only potential issue here is it, 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 as soon as you bring the impeachment inquiry, you better make sure that you're going to move forward towards an actual impeachment. Otherwise, it kind of looks optically like an exaneration. Um, but right. you, you kind of look at, um, you know, Biden saying that he's doing everything the Americans want him to focus on. Yeah. Inflation, border, crime, real incomes, all of all a disaster. Yeah. I mean, the border's wide open. You look at inflation. Mike, you use the word coherent. Yeah. He has proven that he's incoherent as it relates to solving inflation. His idea on how to solve it maybe six months ago was to give people bigger stimmy checks, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Issue more fiscal stimulus, which is how we got to this point in the first place. I don't think Joe Biden understands how to dispel the stuff that's happening to him. I don't think he understands, or if he understands, he's scared to death to do it. Just tell the truth. Where the rubber meets the road in this entire thing is the last thing they were talking about. Americans are struggling. Small businesses, here's an example. In August, small businesses were increasingly pessimistic about their economy as companies struggle with the tight job market, rising inflation, this is according to a survey from the National Federation of Independent Business that they released yesterday. Small business owners in total expressed a 37% net negative view of our economy. That's 7% lower than just a month ago, but higher than the 61% net negative view seen in June. The single biggest concern for small businesses is inflation. Case in point, I went with Marianne yesterday, my wife. Those of you that don't know Marianne, I think everybody knows her. More people know her than me. But anyway, I rode along to go buy a loaf of bread and some other things. We've used the same bread because we like it. It's that low-calorie bread, 45 calories per slice bread. You've seen it. And for years, we've used the same bread. We like the taste, and it is a little lower in calories. Whether or not that matters, I don't know. That's another story. But I went and picked up that loaf of bread, and it's different now. I've shared this before. It's different now. Formerly, what they did 
was they raised the price on loaf of bread because of the inflation that we're talking about. And it got to the point where they had to stop doing that because it was getting so expensive. Before all of this began, before all of this inflation began, we were paying $2.40, $2.60, somewhere around that for that loaf of bread. It got to the point I paid $5.55 for a loaf of that bread. But then all of a sudden, the price of the loaf of bread went down. And I thought, my gosh, either the grocery store chain, they decided to bite and eat some of this price increase stuff caused by inflation, or inflation's going down. But then I began to look closely at the loaf of bread. You know what they did? They decreased the size of the pieces of bread in that loaf of bread because I'm sure they were getting shellacked by consumers because the cost of the loaf of bread was going up so astronomically. Now, if that happened across the nation, this bread sold everywhere, if that happened for just bread... How many other items has that happened to or similar things happened to? We're not filthy rich people. We do quite well. We do good. But our lives have changed. There are things we don't do now. There are things that we do differently now. I don't live in a nation that I'm really happy and confident that we're pushing forward in the right way and that our leadership is leading us into the right pathways. I don't see that. I don't sense that. I don't feel that. With small business owners' views about their future sales growth and business conditions that are very discouraging, owners of these small businesses want to hire and make money now from strong consumer spending. Now, that makes sense, doesn't it? The Small Business Optimism Index fell 0.6 of a point in August to 91.3 points, below the 49-year average of 98 points. And here our president is out there internationally, even at the G20 summit. He was stumping for whatever reason overseas, I don't know, but he was telling everybody how good Bidenomics has made the world for anybody and everybody that's in the United States or that does business with the United States when the facts say exactly the opposite. 40% of these small businesses reported they had trouble filling openings on new jobs. That's down 2% from July, but it still remains high compared to historical trends. Now, why is that? Why are they having problems filling the jobs? Maybe employers are not able to pay the same wages. We haven't seen a mass reduction in the average of employee pay going down. But those numbers always lag behind about 90 days. Obviously, There are reasons why employers are having problems getting people to go to work. And there's only two possibilities. One is that there are so many bennies, benefits that are given by the federal government and 
many times linked together with state benefits on unemployment, people are finding out it's just not worth it. I can make almost as much just sitting at home and doling off the federal government and the state government. I hate to admit that as a possibility, but I'm looking for reasons and explanations. We're not getting any of that from the White House. They refuse to accept that there's any problem with small business operations now. The jobs market showed softening in the month of August. During the month of August, the nation only added 170,000 non-farm payroll jobs, and the unemployment rate jumped to 3.8%. Why? More people are entering the workforce. The announcement included numerous revisions from earlier jobs reports, and all of the quote-unquote revisions made the actual report numbers worse than what they told us in the first place, indicating the market is not as strong as they told us it was. June was revised down by, oh, I don't know, a few jobs, 80,000 jobs. July revised down by 30,000 more. Now, I'm not telling you things are bad to try to scare you to death. That's not what this is about. I'm just trying to get you to think. We are the people. We are the ones that send these people to Washington, D.C. In our states, we send them to the town hall. We send them to the state legislature. And then we send people to the U.S. Senate, the U.S. House of Representatives. And, oh, by the way, we vote for presidents and vice presidents. That's all on us. We've got to right the ship. We, the people, have got to right the ship. And we're going to get a chance to do that. In Louisiana, just to give you a local state correlative to this story we're talking about, our governor and some of our um, other offices at the state level are in off years. We're about next month to get into an election cycle where we're going to elect a new governor. John Bell Edwards, our two-term governor, has term-limited out, and we're going to elect a governor. We, the people in Louisiana, we need to look at what John Bell Edwards did and didn't do during his eight years at the top and make a decision. Do we want somebody that's just going to continue what he put in place, or do we want to make a change? And if we want to make a change, that means we've got to change to somebody that doesn't think like he did and operate like he did. It's no different at the federal level. Wherever you live in the United States, you're part of a specific congressional district in your state. There are 435 of those that work every day in Congress that represent each of them a district full of people like you and me. Who are these people that are representing you? What are they doing? What are they not doing? What are they supporting? What are they rejecting? Too many, by far, get caught up in the political process and the grandiose things, making money on the side, doing things within government that opens doors for them to make money. They get opportunities to do things that are good for their family members on a personal level, all of which, I'll just put it plainly, is unethical. 
Nobody that works in the House of Representatives or the U.S. Senate should have outside active income while they're serving the people of their states and their districts. It should be prohibited. If you're going to go up there and serve, you need to go up there and serve. You need to do the job to make things and life better for the people you represent and therefore making it better for you. But you've got to get out of this politicization of everything, demeaning and diminishing the differences between you and your political opponents and just serve we the people. And we've got to start this process in earnest at the local level. If you've got an off-year election coming up, find out who's running in your state for what office. Marianne and I did that specifically yesterday afternoon. We moved since our last election. We're in a different zip code, a different town in northwest Louisiana. Now, I know pretty much all the uh, the ongoing candidates, people that have been in local and state office here. I know them already, but I didn't know which district was I living in and who represented me in our Louisiana House of Representatives and the Louisiana State Senate. Educate yourself. Find out who these people are and what they believe in. If you're not in an off-year situation for electing your local or state representatives, concentrate on 2024. We've got to make changes. We've got to. Tomorrow morning on our show, I told you about a guy named Steve Smotherman. He pastors the largest church in New Mexico. Initially, he was coming because he's very politically connected, and he gets on radio shows and television shows in New Mexico, and he lets people know where he stands and explains the issues and why he stands for or against them. So he was coming on the show to talk about their governor and this unconstitutional gun grab that she pulled last week that has fallen apart. A federal judge temporarily blocked what she did, but it's temporary. And I sent Steve a note this morning and told him, hey, I know that's in limbo there, and that's what we principally were going to talk about, but I want you to come on tomorrow morning because this is a man of business expertise. This is a man that understands people, and he comes from a little different socioeconomic situation than where I am and probably where you are. We need to hear from people like that. He's a leader. He's not a politician, but he's a leader. And he has thousands of people. His church is 20,000 members strong. It's a big church. Represents a whole lot of people. He hears a whole lot of different things. We need to, instead of closing our minds and locking ourselves up, we need to open up. We need to be open to have honest and thorough conversations about all these important issues. And look, we don't have to get into arguments with others that aren't like-minded. Honestly, if you walk into a room and get in a conversation with somebody, if you're a conservative, somebody that's not, a Democrat maybe, respect their opinion. Speak socially okay, not nasty, not negative. Ask questions, get answers, and then you still don't need to demean them 
or what they believe. Just make your own decisions based on the facts that you get out of these conversations and other things from just simply, hey, you already know that. Speaking the truth, the left doesn't want you to hear. TNN, the Truth News Network. I know I should quit smoking, but it's just... (sighs) My feet and hands are numb a lot. Walking to the bathroom gets me winded. (coughs) I cough all the time. Seriously? I've been dying to quit. Don't wait till you're dying to call. When your health is worse, it will be too late. 1-866-QUIT-YES. The Illinois Department of Public Health and the American Lung Association in Illinois. QuitYes.org. Grab an ice-cold can of Celsius and stay active and energized all day. Celsius is better for you energy, made with premium ingredients, zero sugar, and seven essential vitamins, with no high fructose corn syrup, no aspartame, no preservatives, and no artificial colors or flavors. Celsius is just the essential energy you need to keep you fueled and active all day. Celsius, essential energy, live fit. Now find Celsius at Celsius.com or a retailer near you. Like the words to that song? (laughs) Oh, that's a basketball, a college, high school, (laughs) NBA basketball song bands play. Have been, they've been doing that for decades. I don't need it. The the song is Rock and Roll Part 2. That's the name of it. I wonder what uh, Part 1 has in it in the way of lyrics. Anyway, um, I want to do something. You know, I have a lot of respect for people that come to the United States legally. I do. And do it the right way. How do, how do you mean, Dan, do it the right way? If you come, you come, right? You just come over. Well, that's not the legal way to do it. Of course, this administration has tried to normalize that and tried to get all of the American people to forget that they're opening up the southern border and bringing all these illegals in is a daily multiple violation of federal laws on the part of everybody that's suborning it, like Joe Biden, Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas and others. They're allowing, not just allowing all this illegal action to take place, they're suborning it. In other words, they're encouraging it, which is a separate law violation in the United States. I often like to turn to people from other countries. Stuart Varney at Fox. I think he's part of Fox Business. I see him all the time doing little bits on uh, actually on Fox News. But I thought, you know what? I wonder how Stu Varney feels about all of the stuff we've been talking about this morning and that we talk about every day going forward because he's a Brit. Now, he is an American citizen, but he's British. I love his accent. And I wondered how he felt. So last night when I was doing show prep, I decided to go look and I found this, this from Stuart Varney. Look what we're in for. Investigations, impeachment, maybe a shutdown, Trump on trial, an ailing president whose every move is scrutinized. And I'll throw this in. A whistleblower, 
says six of seven members of a CIA committee looking into the origins of COVID were paid big money to change their opinion, change it from Wuhan lab leak to, oh, we're not sure where it came from. More investigations. Let me throw this in too. Both Trump and Biden are losing a lot of ground in Iowa, where the first caucuses will be held in January. Trump's gone from 62% to 49%. Biden from 69 to 50%. But in a head-to-head -head matchup, Trump leads Biden by 11 points. Turmoil indeed. Well, there, Stewart told us all this stuff, but he didn't tell us what we need to do or even how we can get out of this quagmire. That is my point. He's a guy that's on top of the world information-wise. He's in Fox in Manhattan. I know right where the building is. It's right in the epicenter of everything to do with news. Manhattan, I mean, come on. That's where everything begins and ends, right? And he doesn't have the answers. He just talks about the problems. But you know what? There are people out there that like the fact that there are problems there is quagmire, there's confusion, because they weaponize it to use against any of their political opponents. We sure are seeing a lot of that, aren't we? Wow. Do you know the name Senator Scott Perry? Scott Perry, he's a U.S. Senator from the state of Pennsylvania. And he's one of those people, he's not afraid to get out among the people and to be publicly available to answer questions that he's asked by maybe his campaign folks or maybe the people he represents across the state of Pennsylvania or maybe even one of those evil news people. Well, listen to this. This happened yesterday for Senator Scott Perry. He's there with another senator as they just get blistered by this reporter and how they respond. What evidence do you have as opposed to allegations to show to the American public that would merit an actual impeachment inquiry of Joe Biden and prove that today isn't just about some of you oh, I don't successfully know. bullied Speaker McCarthy for the sake of enacting political revenge uh, this isn't about political revenge. We have the bank accounts. We can see, ma'am, you can see that the homes that the Bidens own can't be afforded on a, on a congressional or Senate salary. You also understand that it's not normal for family members to receive millions of dollars from overseas interest. Those things aren't normal. That's not normal to have 20 shell, shell country, companies. These things are not normal, and it alludes to not only just widespread corruption, but money laundering, if not influence peddling itself. And we also have the president, on, or the vice president at the time, on record saying that the prosecutor was fired. Well, son of a bitch, the prosecutor was fired, right? Because the prosecutor was going after the, the company that his son was working on. That's what we have. If you can't see that, if you are, if you are that blunt, look, I'll turn it well, over to you. The American people can't see that. They I'm, think it's political revenge. It's because you don't report on it. No, they're, they're, you're not, We're I don't think, reporting on it today. With I'm not sure how you know what the American people think, but here's what they might wonder. Actually, if you're a federal prosecutor, you would be asking yourself, how can there not have been an indictment for a FARA violation against Hunter Biden? How can there possibly, my understanding and discussions with staff have confirmed my impulse that this would be very much the, the basis of a foreign of a, um, a, a foreign corrupt practices act investigation, uh, given the circumstances that we know. 
the question is, you know, it's funny. After we come out of the events of for the, the John Durham, for example, testified to, to our committees about how investigations proceeded through our investigative agencies without proper predication. It's not that you have to prove the case. It's not that you understand to this point, there's not been a single subpoena to a Hunter Biden bank account or a Joe Biden bank account or any other Biden family member's bank account. Because until an, impeachment in, until an impeachment inquiry commences, that's not a jurisdictional possibility. Well, it would be stretching jurisdiction to do that. But there's ample predication at this point in time based on that very unusual set of circumstances, which is for no apparent payment for expertise or services rendered. Biden family members writ large received over $20 million. That we, now, know of. that we know of. It is very simple for someone just to insist there's an absence of evidence. And but you, if you can look in the face of that and contend that, that's, you know, anyone has a right to their opinion. What they can't do is change the facts. And I invite you to go to the website clyde.house.gov forward slash Biden crime family, and you will see all the evidence from the oversight committee. You will see all the evidence. And if you're willing to read it, I think you'll be convinced. Thank you all. Thank you. So let me, let me wait, let me weigh in on this. That made a lot of sense to people that are open to getting the facts. And that reporter, obviously with a heavy British accent, was from somewhere east of the U.S. across the pond, and they think they treat their politics and politicians a little bit different than they do here. But the same fundamental legalities exist in the U.K. that exist here. And one of them is, you're innocent until proven guilty. But you remember at the top of the show, we first started, I, I asked you if you know the, the difference between direct evidence and circumstantial evidence. Senator Perry was just talking about that. Direct evidence, in this case for Joe Biden, did Joe Biden illegally accept bribe money? Well, direct evidence of that would be we actually have a bank account statement where Joe Biden, in one of those suspicious transfers that came from overseas that the U.S. Treasury reported, we would see a direct wire transfer with a deposit into a Joe Biden account. That's direct evidence. In criminal cases in the United States, now I'm not a lawyer, I'm not a judge, but direct evidence is often used to convict people. But so is circumstantial evidence. Now, what would circumstantial evidence regarding this inquiry, this impeachment inquiry of Joe Biden, what would it look like in this case so far? Well, it already is circumstantial. At least 20 Biden family members got millions of those dollars that were sent in there's no business, no business operations, no proof. They don't even make an attempt to come up with an explanation of why this money came in, even to grandkids. The fact that it happens, and it started by going to Hunter Biden-related accounts, and then it filtered out across wherever and ended up wherever, we don't have that information yet, or at least it hasn't been revealed. I'm pretty sure some of it exists, and it'll show up here in the next few days, next few weeks. 
But all that being said, circumstantial evidence is there in that Joe Biden lied a bunch about things that have been disproven, and he did that, obviously, to cover up for what he's alleged to have been doing, which is laundering money and selling access to his position. Formally, Vice President of the United States, when all this really ramped up, and of course now, as President of the United States. All that money, 20-something million so far. I have a confidential source in D.C. that tells me it's at 53 million. But that's not out in the way of proof yet. That's alleged. But if it's just 20 million, come on now. If you don't have a business that's doing work of any kind that would justify money like that, and when the money comes in, it's coming from multiple different locations, multiple different people from China, Moscow, Kazakhstan, Ukraine, and other countries around the world coming into different people that are part of the Biden family, including grandkids that aren't even in high school yet. Circumstantial evidence says there's something sinister going on, and it justifies a look. Now, if you're a staunch Democrat and you summarily disagree that a Democrat, especially a Democrat president, would do anything against the law, you'll dismiss it if you're not objective. Obviously, that reporter is anything but objective. She would not listen And those two senators just dumbed it down so anybody could understand it. I'll give you one. I'll give you one example with unquestionable certainty that Joe Biden, because of this, is a multiple offender of breaking multiple times federal laws. What are you talking about, Dan? The U.S.-Mexico border is now known to be the deadliest land route for migrants any place in the world. Now, that's according to a United Nations International Organization of Migration report. Here are the facts. There were 686 deaths and disappearances of migrants on the U.S.-Mexico border just in 2022 alone. That year also saw the highest level of illegal immigrants across the southern border when federal authorities recorded roughly 2.2 million of those peoples. Now, that's according to the Congressional Research Service. So, that's all documented. These alarming figures are a stark reminder of the need for decisive action by states. That's coming from Michelle Klein-Solomon, She's the regional director of that agency for Central and North America and the Caribbean. Enhancing data collection is crucial. Ultimately, what is needed is for countries to act on the data to ensure safe, regular migration routes are accessible. So the latest number of migrant deaths at the U.S.-Mexico border accounts for nearly half of the 1,457 migrant deaths and disappearance recorded throughout the Americas the whole year of 2022, it was the deadliest year 
for the Americas as a whole. Now, why does this allegedly implicate Joe Biden in allegedly committing an impeachable offense? You heard Congressman Mike Johnson tell us the Constitution says any president will be held accountable for the committing of bribery or other high crimes and misdemeanors. Now, you know where I'm going here. High crimes and misdemeanors. Wouldn't you think that a realistic major misdemeanor would be for Joe Biden to supervise and allow 2.2 million illegals to cross our border in just one year. And those don't include the gotaways that we know there are bunches more there. So that is a low number at best. Federal immigration law makes it very clear. Anybody that does that, allows that to happen, that's in a power to stop it, that is not supposed to let it happen, that's committing high crimes and misdemeanors. That's what Joe Biden does every day. That's what Alejandro Mayorkas, Homeland Security Secretary, does every day. That alone, forget about the money. Those things alone should be way, way sufficient to charge Joe Biden for high crimes and misdemeanor. Look at what they attempted to get rid of Donald Trump doing. And they tried, they used the Ukrainian telephone call with the former president. And they impeached Trump just for the contents of the call. And the contents of that call don't even rise, not even 10% to the level of what Joe Biden we know has done. He bragged about it. He used $1 billion of U.S. money in a loan guarantee that they were dangling out there, they being Barack Obama and Joe Biden, were dangling out there to force the federal general investigator of the nation of Ukraine to end an investigation of Burisma Holdings. Now, Burisma Holdings has been known for decades to be the most corrupt business in the Middle East and that part of Europe. All they do is launder money. Well, that's a Ukrainian problem. We shouldn't be involved in that. You're right, we shouldn't, but Joe Biden got involved in it. His involvement was, it just so happened, that investigator, Shokin, was investigating Burisma, while Hunter was serving on the board of directors of Burisma, making a million dollars a year. That is for somebody that has not one nth of background in anything to do with energy. Certainly not natural gas in industry in Europe. They didn't want, Joe didn't, Barack Obama didn't. They didn't want Shokin to finish up that investigation because somehow we were involved in that whole thing with Burisma. And the way we were involved in it was 
our then vice president's son was making a million dollars a year. Does that mean there's other stuff going on that was wrongdoing? No. Circumstantially, I think you can make a case for that. But direct evidence? Nope, it's not there. Yet. It's not there yet. But it is there. Let's move on from this. Let's talk about Joe Biden's economic policies right now. From his policies, have you heard what is pending? In fact, I've been expecting at any moment today to be notified that um, the United Auto Workers has declared to strike our major automakers because they have been negotiating for a long, 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 long time. The UAW is a union that represents a whole lot of people, but it's also very, very powerful politically. Why? Because the UAW has a massive budget. All that money comes from union dues that are paid by these union members to make sure the leadership in the UAW has whatever they need in the way of resources to guarantee benefits and jobs for these union members, right? They're about to strike. 150,000 members strong. That's how many union members are in the UAW. They could go on strike as early as today if they cannot reach an agreement with Detroit's big three automakers over their contracts, which expire Friday night. Larry Kudlow got told yesterday that the union and the big three have reportedly not made progress on a deal. Look, this is actually the fault of Joe Biden because of one of the things driving this strike is the fact that people's wages have deteriorated so much. Of course, the unions want to be paid more because they've seen their buying power go down. Their cost of living has skyrocketed too. So, of course, they need to make more money. So Larry Kudlow, Fox News Business, he observed that the transition to electric vehicles is a real big factor in the negotiations because a lot less labor is necessary, less labor necessary to make an EV than a traditional gas-powered vehicle. Kudlow cited a claim made by Kevin Hassett, who is the former chairman of the Council of Economic Advisors in the Trump administration, that the auto industry could lose as many as half a million jobs because of Joe Biden's transition, forced transition, to electric vehicles. Now, this is a topic everybody's been talking about. It began back in 2020 when Breitbart News, they published an article that warned that then-candidate Joe Biden's rapid push to electric vehicles would have a devastating impact on the American auto industry. Here's just a little bit from that article. When you eliminate the internal combustion engine, you eliminate hundreds of components that comprise that car. This will dramatically change the landscape of the automotive industry for millions of parts suppliers, engineers, mechanics, countless blue-collar workers, all these UAW members, right? 
That's because the average electric vehicle deletes over 300 different components. They're not in an electric car. The fuel-powered vehicle's engine, transmission, gas tank, radiator, hoses, pumps, starter motor, mounting brackets, etc. They become obsolete when you move to an electric vehicle. And of course, you're asking, as I'm telling you this and reading you this story, why then are electric vehicles so much more expensive? That's a great question. I can't answer that. I can think of an answer, and you can too, but I... I don't know if it's factual. So this will dramatically reduce the amount of money it costs to produce a vehicle, but it will also reduce the number of blue-collar workers all along the supply chain that are needed to build those parts, assemble the finished product. However, the sticker price of the electric vehicle will not be reduced. Duh! These vehicles will be just as expensive for consumers as gas-powered vehicles even though they cost less to manufacture. In other words, EVs will be a cash cow for the big auto companies, but will not necessarily benefit American workers, American consumers, who in large part are still skeptical of these EVs, or even the American environment, which relies on a fossil fuel-based power grid to charge those electric vehicle batteries. So this prediction, it has sadly, but it has proven, all too true, and is a reason why the UAW has withheld its support for Biden's re-election, and why, as Politico reported yesterday, auto workers feel abandoned by Democrats and Joe Biden. And Joe Biden touts it. He did this week. He preaches it everywhere he goes. I have always been the politician's Number one person in supporting unions. My dad was a member of the the union. He tells these stories. You never know what's believable. While auto workers are seeing their wages slash because of the EV adoption, the big three executives that enjoyed windfall payroll and benefits thanks to the EV tax credits. Where are those tax credits located? Did they vote on that? Well, yeah, they did. It's part of Joe Biden's Inflation Reduction Act. (laughs) So, EVs cost less to build. They cost more to buy. (laughs) And we subsidize the electric cars. We the people, we give them a stipend every time they sell one. And Joe Biden, who is the union member's number one guy, is writing big checks to the CEOs of these three automakers that come from the federal government subsidies. Is there something wrong with that picture? When we talk about the EV transition, you're talking about 20% of the powertrain workers in the big three. They're going to lose their jobs down the road. If we go from internal combustion engines to battery power, and you can't call this just a transition if you're going to go from $32 an hour wages down to $16 an hour, this massive pay disparities at the heart of the current negotiations could very well, and I'm predicting it will lead to a strike, as Breitbart's John Binder reported yesterday, quote, the UAW 
is looking to secure historic pay increases for workers to mirror the massive pay increases that the executives have gotten. The big three CEOs saw their pay increase by 40% over the last four years, while our pay, union guys, only went up by 6%. General Motors CEO Mary Barra in 2022 raked in almost $29 million. By the way, that's about 362 times a median paycheck of the average GM employee. These large pay disparities between execs and employees were not always the case. A study from the Economic Policy Institute last year showed that company execs are earning about 400 times their average employee's paycheck, whereas in 1965, they were earning about 20 times their average employee's paycheck. Now, I thought Joe Biden was the blue-collar guy. I thought he had the backs of every union member. It just sounds to me like he has the back of every big shot of every one of the big three automakers. And guess who's going to pay the price for all of this? You and I will. We the people are the ones that are subsidizing all this crap you just heard about. We're the ones that are paying for those stipends that they get just because they're building an EV, because Joe Biden thinks the world is going to revolve around electric vehicles. He knows it. He hates fossil fuel. He doesn't even know the difference between fossil fuel and electricity. He doesn't have a clue and doesn't care. You know why? He gets the big checks from the EV people to his campaign. And of course, he's Joe Biden. He's got to make sure he's got enough to get reelected, right? Little Caesar's Thin Crust Pizza is so loaded with cheese and pepperoni, you can't even see the crust. And if you ever want to see it again, listen very carefully. Bring six forty nine in unmarked bills or marked bills or coins or just a credit or debit card to Little Caesar's. Come alone and bring your friends or family. Bring everyone. Get a Little Caesar's Large Thin Crust Pizza with extra cheese and the most pepperoni, all at the nation's best price of just six forty nine. Pizza, pizza. Top four national pizza chains. Extra most bestest thin crust pepperoni pizza versus large round one topping thin crust pepperoni pizza. Everyday standard menu prices at participating locations plus. friend of mine said he wanted to talk to me about my Volvo. I told him, thank you, that's between me and my gynecologist. He said, no, no, your car, your Volvo 850 Turbo Sports Wagon. I said, oh, that. No, you can't drive it. Oh, I love my Volvo. Sure, it's safe, but gee, just because driving on the freeways of Southern California is the equivalent of playing bumper cars at the speed of light, what kind of reason is that? Volvos are still ultra-luxury imports, sleek and gorgeous and loaded to hear, safe and sexy, and pardon me, I have to go hug my car now. Want safe and sexy? Viva la Volvo. Test drive a Volvo 850 at your Southern California Volvo dealer. Since when is safe sexy, another friend asked. Hey, I said, what decade are you living in? Computer, execute 12.4p operation. Optimizing algorithm. Running encryption packet alpha. Night, night. Oh, I don't feel so good. What? What is it, computer? Is it hot in here? It feels hot in here? I feel a little clammy. I should lie down or something. A computer with a virus? Surprising. What's not surprising? 
how much you could save by switching to Geico. Those oysters Rockefeller were a mistake. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Out for some lays and you face a test. Which tasty chip will be the best? Sour cream and onion smoky barbecue. Cheddar sour cream salt and vinegar too. You sample them all cause the crisp is so good on your lips. Yeah. You left your wallet at home but now you have a new best friend. The many flavors of Lay's chips. One taste and you're in love. No identity politics, no political elitism. Read and hear the truth, always sourced from facts. Real truth, real news, TNN, the Truth News Network. You know, I've always told you, every time there's really loud discussions going on, politicians are involved and maybe they're screaming and hollering, waving their arms and telling you, look at this, listen to this, look at this, listen to this to tell yourself, don't look at them and listen. Wait for them to turn around and you can see what's in the other hand behind their back. There's always something else going on. And in most cases, it has to do with at least at the platform basis, dollars and cents. Let me give you an example. The Native American activist group that very successfully eliminated the name of the Washington Redskins they get some of its funding from George Soros, a huge portion, oh, by the way, from somebody else, the U.S. government. The National Congress of American Indians spent decades working to force the Washington Redskins to dump that 90-year-old name Redskins and finally succeeded when in 2020 when the team shed the native moniker and by 2022 assume the name of the Washington Commanders. NCAI, that activist group, has been working to erase Native American names and imagery from the American landscape since the 1980s. It called itself the oldest, largest, and most representative national organization sharing the unified voice of hundreds of tribal nations representing millions of of native people. It adds that unsanctioned sports mascots are symbols of disrespect that degrade, mock, and harm native people, particularly native youth. This far-left group, though, recently faced an uprising by another Native American group that fights to undo the cultural erasing of Native American names undertaken by the NCAI. Last month, the Native American Guardians Association officially launched its campaign to convince the Washington commanders to go back to being named the Redskins. I love this controversy. I know Dan Snyder. I know him personally. He's the owner of the Washington uh, commanders. And the reason he made the switch wasn't because he was scared of that far-left group, it was for money. He got paid to do it. And the team is up for sale. I'm told it's going to sell. And if the people that I am told are going to be the buyers, if they get it, I promise you, within minutes of them closing that deal, they will once again be the Washington Redskins. This group 
not this group that I'm talking about buying the team, but this, I guess, really progressive group that wants to get all of the uh, the places where they drop the names of these native tribes to put them back in. The group is led by founder Eunice Davidson. Eunice sent a letter to the owners and executives of the Washington Commanders, i.e. Dan Snyder, formally requesting the team revitalize its relationship with the American Indian community and rightfully change their names back to the Redskins. Fox News noted that NCAI has burned a wide swath through the sports world from local schools all the way to the NFL by forcing teams to eliminate their heritage. The NCAI has tracked the retirement of more than 200 unsanctioned native-themed mascots just since 2019, 200, and has supported legislation banning the use of these mascots in multiple different states. But the group is also funded by some deep-pocketed, very connected and politically correct supporters. One of the top money supporters George Soros's Open Society Foundations, a radical left-wing group that promotes racial division and anti-American policies. But Soros is not the only far-left group funding them. According to InfluenceWatch.org, it also gets grants from left-wing foundations like the Ford Foundation, the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation, and George Soros' Open Society Foundations. Oh, it also got a paltry $26 million contribution from the extremist W.K. Kellogg Foundation. Davidson, a Dakota Sioux and president of NAGA, blasted NCAI's activism, and she said this, this whole group is out there banning names and images. That's how you erase a culture. You forget about people if you don't see them after a while. Shockingly, this group, whose main purpose is to eliminate American and Native American history, is also funded by you and me, the American people, through our tax dollars. On its website, it lists support from the Departments of Agriculture, Defense, Health and Human Services, the Interior, Justice, and even the Environmental Protection Agency and the SBA, Small Business Administration. Is this not the definition of insanity? It would blow our minds, mine included. I don't even have a clue what it would look like, but I promise you it would blow our minds if we could just tear apart all of the coverage out there, the things that are covering up little facts that are underneath all of these coverings, the fluff that we only hear about. None of the nuts and bolts underneath, just the fluff. But how much of our tax dollars is our government paying for leftist causes, and we don't even know about it. And they're doing that in the name of the United States, and they're funding these groups that are anti United States, anti-American. They don't believe in the rule of law. They don't believe in free speech. They don't believe in an economy that is run by the people, for the people, and is of the people. They're against all of that. But 
boy, they're going to take the check when it comes in the mail, aren't they? And by the way, Dan Snyder, on a personal level, is not a very good guy. Let me give you an example. When I owned the New Orleans Voodoo of the Arena Football League, I was on the board of directors. I was actually chairman of the board. And uh, big guy was our commissioner, David Baker. You've seen him if you watch the the pregame, the pre uh, the preseason game that's played every year at the NFL in Canton, Ohio. He's always there. He's about 6'9". He weighs 350 pounds. He's a huge guy. His son played left offensive tackle for the University of Southern California, was a great football player. And coming out of that school that year, he was projected to be, he was going to be a first-round draft choice. Now, let me explain a little bit to you if you don't understand what positions mean and how important they are in the NFL or any football. The left, the left tackle, which you have the center, that's a guy that hikes the ball. The guy next to him to the left is a guard. The next guy out is called a tackle. This young man was the left tackle at Southern Cal and was really, really good. Those people are either second or third highest paid non-quarterbacks in the NFL. Why would that be? A right-handed quarterback is blind on the left side because he is standing kind of turned to the side because he's going to pass the ball from his right hand. So what defender is coming up to get him and tackle him in any place coming from the left side? That left tackle is the guy who has the fundamental, the most important thing that he does is protect that quarterback's blind side. And that's what this young man did better than anybody else in college football that year. When the Washington Redskins and the NFL, they decided years ago, 25, almost 30 years now, to start the Arena Football League, every owner of an NFL team was given an option to buy a franchise for an Arena Football team in their city. And Dan Sider he didn't want to put an arena football league, an indoor team, in Washington, D.C., so he just let it sit out there. Nobody ever said it's going to expire if you don't do this, if you don't execute it. Now, I think they were going to have to pay something like half a million dollars for that franchise if they, if they put it there. I wasn't in the league then. I came in later. And I came in when Sammy Baker, Commissioner Baker's son, was about to graduate and go into the NFL draft. And the AFL, the board of directors, which I served on at the time, we voted, those of us that weren't around at the beginning, we did not understand the rules of what they had done to try to get these NFL owners, who many of did put AFL franchises in their, in their respective markets, but a ton of them didn't. Dan Snyder was one of those. Snyder was given six months to make a decision. Yes, I'll pay for and we'll put a team in here, or the league was going to take that away from him and try to sell it to somebody else. He got so mad about it. Let me tell you what he did. I heard this. 
He called Commissioner Baker while I was in the commissioner's office. I just happened to be that particular day. And I heard on the speakerphone the conversation. Snyder threatened Commissioner Baker and said, if you let this happen, if I lose this option, I'm going to see to it that the word goes out around the league that your son has got a hidden physical problem and that he should not be drafted high. I heard that conversation. Now, what does that have to do with this conversation? I'm telling you, Dan Snyder is all about the money. And in many respects, none of us can fault him for that because the Bible very plainly says, the love of money is the root of all evil. Wow. 15 minutes left on the show. Have you noticed how the White House is handling this impeachment stuff, the allegations out there, and now this impeachment inquiry that has formally been initiated by House Speaker Kevin McCarthy? The torchbearer for information for Joe Biden is Corrine Jean-Pierre. And she holds these daily White House briefings. In all my years of keeping up with politics and what goes on in the White House on a day-to-day basis, sometimes I get really involved in it. Sometimes I just look in every once in a while. She has to be the most inept White House press secretary I've ever seen or heard or watched her do her job. She's really very, very weak. And in the middle of all of this impeachment stuff going on and what led up to it, remember the conversations were about Joe Biden being involved with Hunter Biden's business partners, meeting with them, having dinners with them, talking to them on the phone, even flying overseas with Hunter on Air Force Two and going to some of these meetings. Biden has never yet admitted to any of that happening, but uncontroverted facts prove that it did happen. So yesterday in the White House press briefing, Jean Perry insisted there is no evidence that President Biden was involved with his son's business. I wouldn't want her job for any amount of money. I can't imagine having to get up in front of these people on a national television feed every day and continue to perpetuate these lies that they're being told to her and she's being told to do this every day. She took some really big time heat online yesterday after leaving, getting walking off the stage in the White House briefing room while a reporter shouted out a question about President Biden's potential involvement with his son Hunter's foreign business deals. Allegations that the president was involved in those deals was a major topic at Wednesday's press briefing following House Speaker Kevin McCarthy's announcement of that formal impeachment inquiry. Though Jean-Pierre repeatedly insisted that House Republicans have provided no evidence connected to the president, New York Post correspondent Stephen Nelson pointed out that some polls have shown that many voters, in fact, a majority of American voters, think otherwise. Can you explain why the president interacted with so many of his son's foreign business associates 
More than half of voters told CNN of all news agencies they believed the president was involved and that he lied about it. You don't have a response to that, Corrine? Nelson asked. The press secretary's pattern of avoiding questions about Hunter did not go unnoticed by social media users that were frustrated with her behavior. Never an answer, New York Post journalist and Fox News contributor Miranda Devine commented. That was a tweet. Comedian Tim Young noted, KJP, which is Corrine Jean-Pierre, runs away from questions about Biden working with Hunter's business associates and the fact that Americans believe Joe to be a complete liar. Now, these are some pretty heavyweight media folks taking swings at her. Bob Barr, this is a GOP Georgia member of the House of Representatives. Barr said, this administration is completely dysfunctional and corrupt, yet the mainstream media and Democrat Party blithely act or pretend it is perfectly a normal situation. And sadly, perhaps, it is the new normal, he said. That's some pretty heavyweight allegations. Not a single reporter asked this during the briefing when talking about the impeachment inquiry except Steve Nelson from the New York Post who had to wait until the end when Kareen was walking out. She wouldn't call on him. And, of course, she knew he was going to ask that question. The GOP's official account pushed back. Joe Biden met with Hunter's business associates on at least 16 different reported occasions, documented. According to sworn testimony from Devin Archer, Hunter put Joe Biden, who was then vice president, on speakerphone on at least two dozen occasions during these meetings. KJP bolts from the podium when reporters turn up the heat. That comes from Citizen Free Press. How do they get away with doing this? How do Democrats, rank-and-file regular people like us, out across America, when they watch and see what's going on, when they hear what doesn't happen, that should be happening? How do they reconcile this? Let me ask you a question. I want you to start thinking about this. Do you think that maybe everyday Americans that are Democrats, they're giving up? That they know the die is cast and they know that Joe Biden's not going to make the trip? Or if he does, it'll be from some miracle that They can't see it happening, but it still accidentally might happen. I think they're just giving up saying, well, we did our best. At least we got rid of Trump. We took him out of the Oval Office, and Joe Biden was able to get a bunch of the nasty stuff done that Hillary Clinton would have done if she had been president instead of Donald Trump. Maybe that's it. I don't know. But I'm not seeing and hearing the pushback that I expected would happen. But let me tell you where it is happening. Our buddies at Sky News down in Australia, it's always easy to go there and get an opinion from these folks about what's happening in the White House at the Oval Office. Before we get into that, let's cross to the US where the Democrats are having a reality check of their own. You see, the radical open border policies they championed 
are having an impact, not just on the border towns where millions of illegal immigrants have flooded in since the Biden administration came to power, but now the impact is being felt in places like New York City, where Mayor Eric Adams used to say things like this. You pledged uh, during your campaign to uh, keep New York City a sanctuary a city. Are, do you have any concern that that, that policy uh, is, 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 for, is attracting more people to the border, more people to cross the border to make that dangerous no. trip? Uh, no, not at all. Uh, this city has always been a sanctuary city, and we've always managed those who wanted to come to uh, New York City to pursue the American dream. Sanctuary city, all those feel-good platitudes and virtue signaling. But when faced with the reality of the policies he championed, this is what Eric Adams sounds like today. I don't see an ending to this. This issue will destroy New York City. Destroy New York City. We're getting 10,000 migrants a month. One time we were just getting Venezuela. Now we're getting Ecuador. Now we're getting Russia speaking, coming through Mexico. Now we're getting uh, Western Africa. Now we're getting people from all over the globe have made their minds up that they're going to come through the southern part of the border and come into New York City. And everyone is saying it's New York City's problem. Every community in this city is going to be impacted. We had a $12 billion deficit that we're going to have to cut every service in this city. Oh, dear may talk about a reality check. But still, the dim-witted left cannot acknowledge something that even children learn eventually, that actions have consequences. You implement dumb policies, you get catastrophic consequences. And talking about dim-witted lefties, let's check in with how the ladies of The View, filmed in New York City, are coping with the small influx of illegal migrants, small when compared to what states like Texas and Arizona have been dealing with. It puts tremendous stress on, on, on a city, on a community, on the social services. They need to be resettled elsewhere. They need, right? they need to be out. We're this spread, massive yeah. country. But, yeah. And it's only going to get worse with global warming and climate change because people can't live in certain parts of this world. <laughs> <laughs> climate change. It's climate change. Only going to get worse. But what is the Biden administration, which has overseen record numbers crossing that southern border illegally, millions every year, what are they going to do? Well, this is their latest genius idea. No, they're not going to complete the war. They're not going to implement tough border protection policies. They're going to try to keep the illegal migrants in Texas. The LA Times reports the Biden White House is considering a plan to force illegal immigrants to remain in Texas while awaiting asylum screenings. Genius, genius. Why should Texans have to deal with this crisis? They aren't the ones voting for sanctuary city mayors and governors. Now, before we bring in Alex Antique, I just want to talk about The Voice a little bit. All through the week, I've been playing new clips from the biggest voice advocates, those who played a critical role in the formation of the Uluru Statement and how, over the years, they have been very outspoken about their plans, their plans for a treaty, for truth-telling commissions, reparations. That's the agenda. That's what The Voice is meant to usher in. And here is further proof of that agenda. Let's hear from the architect of the Uluru Statement, Professor Megan Davis, in 2021, explaining 
that at its heart, at its core, the Uluru Statement is about treaty. At the core of Uluru is treaty. This is what Uluru called for. Makarata is the culmination of our agenda. We seek a Makarata Commission to supervise the process of agreement making between governments and First Nations and truth telling about our history. Let me repeat myself, at the core of the Uluru Statement is treaty. But Professor, if treaty is at the core of the Uluru Statement, then why are we starting with a voice? Well, the Yes campaigners have also been expansive in explaining their strategy of why they need a constitutionally enshrined body so they can negotiate a treaty from a position of power. Isn't it interesting to listen to somebody like Sky News in Australia? And they weighed in. Of course, they were talking about our insanity here, but they have a lot of their own insanity that they're dealing with. And it happens everywhere. But isn't it interesting when Sky News does a report and they're broadcasting from Australia before they even thought about getting to the part of their stories that pertain to their country, they concentrated on ours, the United States of America, most famous country on the planet, greatest country in world history still, although this administration's trying to take that perspective away from the world and world citizens. But they're out there dealing with some of the same crud we are, but just at a different place, different zip code, different telephone area code. Wow. It's a wrap on the show today. Good show. Lots happening. Big day tomorrow here. Don't you dare miss it. Steve Smotherman will be here. Until then, enjoy your Wednesday. I can't.